Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is John Fennelly. He's the CEO of Lion Bridge Technologies. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Fine, thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me about Lion Bridge. What's the premise of the company? So Lion Bridge was started oh, 20 plus years ago um, as a translation localization company. So translation is pretty self-apparent. Localization is translating companies' content and closely aligning it with their user community, making sure the inflection is right, making sure you're connecting with their communities, but I would say a more personalized, uh, personalized way to translate. And, uh, and, then, and then over the years, the company had uh, acquired another, a, a number of companies in the translation localization space, um, started to get into some other lines of business around content and tech publishing and staffing and testing. Um, and was publicly traded, and then and the, and then uh, about uh, eighteen months ago was uh, was taken private. So yeah, I'm not familiar. What does what does that mean? Translation localization. You know, I know you define. Yeah, it, so translation is just what it is. You have a you have you know something that is produced in English, and you want to and you want to translate it into Russian, into Chinese, into French. Uh, and so the company saw a need saying, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of timing with a lot of globalization, but uh, uh, if companies want to roll out uh, a product in a different market, then we can help them. We can translate their websites, their technical documentation, their user guides, et cetera. And I think what really changed the space was, and this goes back a lot of years, but traditionally companies said, okay, we'll, a U.S. company will build a product. We'll roll it out in Europe three months after we roll it out in the United States, and then we'll go to Asia six months afterwards, and we'll you know, kind of rolling country by country along the way. Uh, and then some of the big tech companies in the U.S. said, no, 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 consumer products companies, is we want to roll out 140 countries tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning in the local market, and we want all of our documentation, we want all of our materials, we want all of our collateral to be ready and that we can have a product launch that that is timed to, to to simultaneously go in multiple markets, and as a result, an industry was formed. And Lion Bridges have been at the forefront of that industry for years, and we've gotten bigger. And I think a lot of the companies in our space actually started out as very small translation companies, and then over the past 15, 20 years, have actually grown to be quite bigger than they probably originally envisioned. Well, it seems like it's more than just translation. I mean, there's you know, I'm sure a lot of people go, oh, why don't you just use Google Translate? But, you know, it falls way short. As we talk about localization and really understanding, you know, we cut across multiple verticals. So we've always had a big footprint in the technology sector, but we're also in hotel, leisure segment, financial services. And so effectively, we've got a broad community of oh, 20 or 30,000 translators around the world that are primarily freelancers. Um, and, and many of them have very specific experience in those, either with the companies that they translate for or within those industries. So they absolutely understand the brand inflection, they understand the messaging, and they understand the difference between a literal translation 
and a nuanced translation that that will resonate in the local market and make sure it's perfect for the consumer. Uh, and so that is a, that that's one of the simple reasons why some of the automated translation tools come up a bit short. Yeah, I've always thought, you know, growing up, Chinese restaurants needed the uh, translation localization because they would have like, you know, beef with vegetable instead of vegetables, and they they would miss the s's and you know, they just could have done something to smooth it out, you know. I guess it's a small example, uh, but but a very pertinent one. Yeah, I would think you know culturally too, you can't just translate stuff like you said. Some stuff literally translated would sound crazy, and then some cultures you probably you know I mean you shouldn't even have certain stuff translated. And, you know what? Any examples of where a culture was different enough that you had to actually rethink a product, or you you would let a customer know, hey, this just isn't going to work in this country. Or this region because of the culture at all? Yeah, I think there's certainly been some of that. I, I think that the much more simple example is you just have, you know, uh, something that is innocuous from Nike is just do it, right? So you've got a couple of words, um, and those can have very, very different connotations in different markets. So you need to bring a translator um, to a particular market that absolutely understands first who the customer is, what their brand represents who their ultimate consumer is, and to make sure that there is nothing uh, that could be offensive, politically incorrect, whatever it might be, with a very, very simple translation. Um, and that's truly, I think, the essence of localization is that you connect um, with the local market, the local buyer, the local community, and you absolutely have that inflection perfectly, and you avoid all the obvious pitfalls that might come as a result if you did. Well, I'm sure you have some some stories of maybe funny things or, you know, oh, nature. Of course. There, there's all kinds Any, of things anything? that happen. You know, you, you have some incredibly offensive language and sexual innuendo and things that have come up with, you know, botched translations in the past. And that's, you know, frankly, why a number of customers go out and they hire folks like Lionbridge. What, if, if you're going to go out, you know, if a product's going to go out in um, 100 countries, do you have one language that you translate from, let's say, like, uh, you always translate from English to the um, resulting language. It doesn't sound like you'd go from language A to B and then B to C and C to D because that would make like Craig. Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question. So um, not always, but, but uh, you know, the standard is usually to bring uh, languages to English and vice versa, but English is usually in the mix. Are there any languages that are good base languages to translate from? Or is English the best or, you know, there's certain ones? You well, Eng English is, you know, just because of the predominance of English and the community that we've got, and, uh, you know, English is the best. But I mean, as the world now increasingly becomes more global, um, we're seeing more demand for, you know, direct language, direct language um, translation. Um, there's also a lot of the, the learnings that we've built up and the training of language engines that, you know, is more complicated from, um some languages to others that are more that that aren't as common, but but uh, um, and I think that's a that's a rapidly changing part of our industry. As a matter of fact, I would guess the base language you'd start with is where the product originates, right? If something was for sure, for sure, made in Korea, you'd, you'd use that as the right. base, right? Yeah, yeah. That you know, okay. obviously, you know, if you have a Korean company and they want to go to different markets, you want to make sure that you know you're you're first fully understanding. Um, the original documentation, the websites, the marketing, et cetera, uh, and then whatever language you're taking it to, whether it's English, French, Russian, Chinese, um, various, various 
uh, dialects in certain countries um, that you first and foremost will understand the original intent um, before you can translate it into a local language or dialect. Well, it's good. Once you translate stuff, you know, the websites, uh, all the materials, but then you would need people, I would guess, to maintain it if you're going to do business in a certain country. So I, I, I would guess that always has to come along with it. You can't just translate and use the web only, or can you? Yeah, well, that's why we, we use a big um, crowd of, of freelance uh, translators. And some may be located in the country, some may not. But, you know, their, their, their native language is the most important thing versus their physical locale. So if you were a, uh, a Korean translator, we expect that would be your first language and vice versa. But I think the other thing that's changing quite rapidly is, you know, this is an industry that's absolutely in transition, um, where I think uh, in, until very recently, most of the material that we had translated had been technical documents, manuals, websites, Etc. that really around what I would call the ancillary parts of a system or a product. And now so many voice-activated devices are coming into the market that the translation of those is actually changing our space quite dramatically. When you think about it now, it's the system and the product itself that needs translation. And the consumer has a different expectation about how that device will interact with them. Um, a variety of different languages, obviously. But it's a very, very subtle but profound shift for our space. And where do you see the space going? What's new in it the past, you know, five to ten years that you have to address that wasn't there before? Well, I think the quality of machine translation is getting better. And this the, the the not necessarily new, but but more advanced neural machine translation. So you'll continue to see advances in machine translation. Um, machine learning is a very big area for us. Um and we work with a lot of big customers to help train um, their systems and platforms and feed human intent back into to them with content um, and help with data. But I think it, the, the, in essence, the biggest change really in our industry is that the, the products themselves are what are being localized. In the past, it's been the documentation around the products and the, the marketing materials, the self-help guides, or whatever it might be. Now the product itself I mean, you think about the big voice-activated devices out there that didn't exist very long ago. Those will now be able to interact with people in their native language. And, and, you know, and, and the game is on to make sure that those are trained and, um, and the user experience will continue to get better and better and better. And as you know, part of a big localization translation industry, we, pay, we, we have played a major role in helping a lot of those companies train those machines. What, what kind of trends are you seeing in with language and with culture worldwide? Are you seeing languages disappear or appear or diversity? Yeah, increasing I, I, think, I think, you know, there, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of languages and dialects around the world versus, you know, a much, much smaller subset of countries. And it's a really interesting question. I mean, some languages, you know, countries and cultures are working very hard to preserve as the, as the number of native speakers dwindles. Um, and then there's the whole political dynamic we've got where, you know, with populist nationalist strains um, that we actually think will strengthen uh, the demand for truly localized dialects and content. Um, and, you know, you get contradictory messages there because, you know, globalization also continues at the corporate level um, and companies are not pulling back and, um hiding in particular markets, but they continue to seek new customers and new communities for their brands throughout the world where they think there's commercial opportunity. Okay. I just didn't know if you saw any unusual or surprising trends. 
Is there anything to you unusual or surprising or you know, really fascinating that's happening or changing in the industry? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot. Uh, and I, I would say like lots of businesses and vertical industries, you had um, a lot of companies in our, in our space, in the translation space, started out really as very small companies. Um, and they have gotten much, much bigger and much more complicated. And they deal with very complex, large customers. We deal with 80 of the top 100 global brands in the world companies. Um, and you've had what effectively been service-based organizations that are now transitioning to try and become technology-based companies. And that is a very, very profound shift for many companies, and many can't get there, right? And I think that many companies still think, in our space and others, okay, I'm a lot bigger than I was when I started. I didn't build scale platforms necessarily to support the kind of business I have today because we didn't envision that when we built the business. But how do I think technology first when it comes to creating new solutions for customers versus my standard, oh, I got some business, I, add, I have to add some more people. And I think the folks that can successfully navigate that will be very well positioned. The ones that can't, I think, will, will struggle if not stop, um, you know, stop being a viable commercial entity. Uh, I was, you know, I was just wondering, again, if you have um, a worldwide perspective on, you know, quote, unquote, what's going on with industry because you deal with uh, all these languages and countries or if you don't feel like your perspective is big enough to really comment on stuff like that. Well, you know, I, I think that the uh, what seems unrelenting is the quest for big companies uh, for Newmark. And so you, you, you look at, um, and, it, and it goes across industries, whether it is technology, manufacturing, um, leisure, financial services, um, maybe them to a lesser degree, but scale is everything. And you, you look at the number of acquisitions that have been made, the number of investments that are being made in growing global brands that there's a huge appetite to continue to expand commercially across the world and expand your reach into different markets. And I think that that, that has, um, if, if anything, accelerated over the last five or 10 years. And folks like Lionbridge, we play an important part of that, but we want our customers to think, hey, if I want to go create more revenue in a market where I'm not uh, particularly large today or I don't have the market share that I like, then we'd like to participate and go along with our customers to try to help create more connectivity with their brand and their buyer communities, their user communities in those markets. Um, and I think at, you know, at a macro level, you see the companies with large global exposure have outperformed uh, most metrics, probably most importantly then their stock prices seem to have done better than folks that have a bigger bias towards their domestic or, or less of a global, a global uh, uh, footprint. So, all right, very good. So what do you see as the future of uh, Lions, Lions Bridge? What's happening in the next six months or a year? Uh, the crystal ball. Um, I, I think that, you know, we will try to continue to, to rapidly become a more of a technology or technology-enabled services company. Um, you know, we have, uh, we've got three or four key criteria for us. And, you know, we, we were a company that was made through acquisitions. We want to simplify our company. We want to make it easier for customers to do business with us. We want to make it easier for our employees to do business with our customers. Um, we want to focus on our people. Uh, you know, my personal belief, if you have the right people and you have the right um, 
culture environment for them to thrive that only good things will come with that and, and ultimately your, your customers will benefit and you know customers are everything to us as we have gone on a journey to really become a outside in customer to have all our employees put themselves in the, put themselves in the shoes of our customers think about how do we lead with customer-led solutions how do we think first about customer-led solutions why are customers asking us for certain things what does it mean? How do we be more innovative? I mean, we're, we're really lucky. It's a relatively small company in the big scheme of things. We deal with the largest, most innovative companies in the world. And so we get to participate with them. It's very exciting endeavors. But as I continue to tell our folks, hey, we've got to be able to move at the same speed they're moving to supply them with the solutions they need, they need from us. Um, so lots of things happening with us. It's a pace. The pace of change is constant. Um, and I think, you know, that we, we are in the midst of, of an industry that is trying to go from the services to be services based companies to technology based companies where things have been done, I think, by over the years, very manually and automation is coming. Technology enabled solutions are coming and that that pace will continue to be, I think, quite rapid for us. All right. Well, very good. So what's the best way for people to get in touch and to inquire about your services and how they're priced and, you know, if it's per product, per brand, et cetera? Yeah. So e- easy is at limebridge.com. And then anybody can find me at LinkedIn at John Fenley and at Twitter at John underscore Fenley at Lionbridge. Uh, and uh, w- would love to hear from everybody out there. Well, very good. Well, John, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. I appreciate it. Rich, thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.